I don't know if you have a descriptive name for Lowell or what, you know, whether uh, I'm trying to think of a hot daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Obstacles and Opportunities with Lowell and Julie, sharing stories, empowering mindsets. It's our Father's Day episode. Before we get into it, our boys have something to say. Happy Father's Day, Dad. We hope you're having the best Father's Day ever. You're the best dad in the world. You accomplish a lot of your dreams and it makes a lot of sense because you work as hard as you need to. You're the best biker I know. Hey dad, I have a joke for you. How do you make the number seven even? You take away the yes. I also have a joke for you, Dad. Well, it's more like a story. Three guys were in an airplane. One of them had an apple, another one of them had a banana, and the other one had a bomb. The first guy said, you know what? I don't really want this apple anymore. So he threw it out the window of the airplane. The second guy said, you know what? I don't really want this banana. So he threw it out the window. And the third guy said, you know what, I don't really want this bomb. So he threw it out the window. They landed and started to go for a walk. Then they saw this girl crying. And they said, hey little girl, why are you crying? And then she said, an apple came down from the sky and hit my dog on the head. So they moved on. Then they saw this little boy crying. And they said, little boy, what's the matter? And he said, well, this banana came down from the sky and hit my cat in the head. They continued on. Then they saw this old man laughing. And they said, hey, old man, why are you laughing? And then he said, laughing, I farted and my house blew up. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Happy Father's Day. Love you. Love you. Thanks, boys. Now back to the episode. Today's guests are Lowell Taylor and Ed Veal. You may recognize Lowell as, well, the co-host of this podcast. And Ed is his tandem cycling pilot. That means he rides on the front of the bike. As the blind athlete of the operation, Lowell is the stoker who rides on the back. They are fresh off of representing Canada at Road World Championships in Portugal. And they're two of the most amazing dads we know. Ed started cycling later in life and loves the thrill of racing. He has competed as an able-bodied athlete as well as a pilot for blind cyclists, and he's got the medals and titles to prove it. Highlights include World Hour Record Holder for his age group, National Hour Record, World Cup Gold, and Pan Am Bronze on the National Team Pursuit Squad. In 2019, he broke the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest distance cycled in a 24-hour period for a virtual event. Ed is a cycling coach and lives in Hamilton, Ontario with his partner Amanda and has a 17-year-old son named Evan. Lowell, a registered psychologist and the father of our beautiful boys, is legally blind as the result of a degenerative genetic eye condition called retinitis pigmentosa. He basically has pinhole tunnel vision now and is completely blind in low light. He also discovered sport, and specifically cycling, later in life and believes that sport saved his life. He became involved with Cycling Canada in 2015 and has earned medals from both national and international competitions since. Highlights include earning two silver medals at the 2019 Parapanam Games in Peru and becoming the national time trial champion in June 2019. 
In 2016, Lowell was the first blind contestant to be cast in the history of the Amazing Race franchise. He competed with me on season four of the Amazing Race Canada. No spoilers here, you can go watch for yourself. <laughs> Lowell and Ed started cycling together in late 2019. They live across the country from one another, so training camps and team projects are how they get their time in together. Most cycling endeavors were canceled because of the pandemic, but in January 2020, they broke the national record for the Kilo at Track World Championships, and they just raced at Road World Championships in Portugal. They complement each other beautifully, and they're only getting started. Lowell and Ed share their individual stories, how they each got into cycling, and how their partnership on the tandem is so magical. They also detail their experience in Portugal, the intricacies of riding a tandem, and where they're headed next. Oh, and Ed's partner, Amanda, who is a teacher, photographer, artist, killer cyclist, and overall incredible human, has become a wonderful friend, so it was only natural that she joined the conversation too. We hope you enjoy. Hello. Hello. Hola, hola. Let's get started, you guys. We're so excited to chat with you guys. I mean, we chat with you daily, but we don't usually record our conversations. <laughs> okay, we'll talk a little bit later about how you, Lowell, and Ed got together and how the four of us all became so tight. But first, let's talk about racing bikes because you guys are hot off of Portugal. So, Lowell and Ed, let's backtrack for a sec. January 2020, Track World Championships was your first race together and you placed top seven and broke a national record. And then fast forward like a year and a bit and you're in Portugal and it's your first ever Road World Championships and you guys nailed it. Have you even processed this yet? Tell us, Ed. What does going to Portugal and representing Canada mean to you? Portugal's beautiful. Anytime you put the maple leaf on and uh, you represent your country, it's, it's big. And to share that with Lowell and uh, line up against all the other top tandems in the world, it's special. Tell us about the hills. Were you expecting the hills? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, the course was unique. You know, this is something that uh, you don't come across very often, uh, whether you're on a tandem or able body. It's very, very unique. Lots of great changes, lots of turns, twists, tailwind, big block headwind. It was hard. Like, it, there's no doubt it was hard. So. Well, and, and that track was not built for bicycles, right? That was a former Formula One track. Yep. It held the Portuguese Grand Prix of Formula One. But not only that, it does MotoGP as well. So they race motorcycles there. So that part was cool. The pavement was pristine, grippy, and made for, you know, I, I don't know what those cars were doing. They were like hundreds of miles an hour. You know, like, so when we're reaching 75, we should be able to nail that corner. But it was tricky. <laughs> I mean, my heart was pounding. There was lots of times where we were a couple of years, but, you know, we were... We were pushing the limits of the bike, that's for sure. And uh, that's why Lowell's such a great guy to share the bike with because I haven't scared him yet. So, I mean, he's very trusting. Uh, well, I haven't either, apparently. So, yeah, yeah, say it. <laughs> it was an incredible course. It's big boy go karting. We self powered, but taking those corners at fast speeds and having to be in unison, start pedaling, stop pedaling, engage out of the corners, stand, stop, turn around, all of these things. It was just so much fun, nailing corners, lap after lap. So you guys got to 75 kilometers an hour. I'm impressed by that because 
last summer you guys got to 103.7 kilometers, but Lowell was telling me that this course had two turnarounds. So you guys basically had to start from a stop and get your speed up again twice per lap. So that's crazy that you guys were even able to get up to those speeds. Well, the wind helps. I mean, in a long, long straightaway. Oh, yeah. But yeah, coming to a dead stop, going around a U-turn and then get back to speed, that, that hurts. The gas mileage of scraping up all that speed, braking, and then coming out, very taxing. Right from that turnaround, we start gaining speed. We turn into a massive headwind, which just killed us. I, I just thought it was like a sailboat. It was like the sail catching the wind. And then you can just feel like as we're turning, you know, we're picking up speed, picking up the cadence goes up. And then all of a sudden we're just on the straightaway and we are sailing. I mean, there's so many great moments, but that was an amazing moment. Where we're just screaming along in a straight line. I can only imagine what it'd be like in a Formula One car. That's probably the closest we're going to be, but it was just like, you know, right by, right by everybody. It was fantastic. Oh, that's crazy. And you talked about the trust that Lowell has in you and for you. And yes, he does. And so Lowell, tell us, did you ever have any doubts? No. Sometimes there's little moments of doubting the technology, doubting the bike. What we're doing, bikes aren't designed to do. We have custom-made bikes. We try to make everything beefy, but in the past, I've broken cranks right off of the tandems. You can break wheels and cranks, chains. The guys at our local bike shop are like, ooh, I wouldn't ride this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's probably a lot of people that would get on that bike. That's why it's so unique. We are pushing the limits of what this bike can do. Physically, the combined two of us, but also like just think in the corner, like the tires and the tire yeah. pressure. And you're leaning the bike, not like MotoGP, but it's definitely on a big lean. And there's no way, like it's strained, you know, like the, the wheels are making noise. It's like the bladed front wheel that we use from Fast Forward, you know, we got this beautiful, crazy technology. We're going down the, it sounds like a, a, a blade off a plane. Like it's just, but then in the corner, it flexed so much that it would hit the brake. And so through the corner, it's going, you know, and so... You know, like right there, just, you know, the tolerance is only so wide. It's too bad this isn't a visual medium because watching Amanda's facial expressions know, next I'm, to your I'm story. Like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's better when we don't know things, Amanda. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little unnerving the first time. Okay. Like we went through the corner and I'm like, what's that noise? And then you just get used to it. You, mm -hmm. The idea of like Lowell and I both going, hey, did you hear that? Or is that cool? Or, you know, we come back to the mechanics. We tell them, what, you know, like we make some adjustments. And then I guess we both bump fists and say, okay, you, you, you trust this wheel going through the corner? And you're like, yep, yep. And then, then we hit it even harder the next time. It's yeah. like changing your perspective on stress when your body has all those stress reactions, like your heart's pounding and your throat constricts and everything. And then you just think, oh, it's my body getting ready for action. You can just think, oh, this is just our bike getting ready for action. There's nothing wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that is a great analogy. It is find that balance, that line. Like even we wanted to test it ahead of time. We had never sprinted on the TT bike. We thought this was going to be a, a bike that we just hit our diesel and just hold a steady power. But that wasn't what this course required. We had to be punchy and, and hit really high watts outside of quarters. So we were taking these corners and then accelerating. And we had tested this on the track the days before. And putting that much power down would make our chain flex and it was bouncing and we were doing all these things we had never done before. So it's learning our bike at the same time as learning each other, learning how we ride on a Formula One track and a TT. So there's a lot of really quick adapting we had to do. But all along, I trust Ed as pilot, as captain, to make sure that we are safe and to make sure that we are, I mean, safe-ish, and that we are, we're going to do what we can do. So As safe as you can. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to understand, like, what he just said, safe-ish, is, you know, there are things that are beyond my control. Think of all kinds of things that go wrong when it comes down to it. That was actually a really cool part of this trip was testing that bike, okay? We, we, 
dreaming about this bike, talking about this bike. You know, it's been a long process. It's almost not real. And it's sitting there and we're putting our leg over this thing. And we need to know now if we can really stomp on this. And we did. And I remember this is Lowell's baby, right? Like, you know, he's, he didn't stomp it like he did the Kelpie. That's for sure. But I did. And so afterwards, you know, we're comparing our watts and, you know, he, he was like a little bit more cautious. That thing's worth more than our car. Yeah. I'm the opposite. I gave it everything I had because I was like, I want to know right now I can do this. And the bike held up and it was, it was fantastic. So it needed to be done. Do you think the guy who made the bike was a little nervous? Nope, he got his money. He got his money, he doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> so we can't blame the bike. We actually rode the filament and the British teams that both got world champs, they also rode the same filament bike. So wow. we did what we could do in regards to technology and the bike. And then it came down to us being at our first world championships. And we have a lot more road racing to do, but an extremely amazing project, an amazing time to be out there amongst others. And then to be on that project with fellow Team Canada, with all the staff to make it happen. It was a magical trip. And let's just sum it up and say top 10 in the world. Yeah. Woo. Top 10 in the TT. Yeah. yeah. Right now. Right now. Right now. Yeah. To be improved upon is what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, of course. I don't think we scratched our itch. It only left me wanting more. Something just came over me and I'm kind of like, I really like this. And, and we can do some pretty special things. I'm sure you guys got an agenda, but the one thing I was thinking of with understanding Lowell's eyesight, this trip more than ever, I really had a better appreciation uh, for what Lowell can and can't see or what he's dealing with. There were so many moments that I can think of that were eye openers, you know, and that's a bad thing to say. Eye I've been saying that all day. I was joking with my brother. I was like, dude, you really want to say eye opener? I'm like, I just can't help myself. Well, your eyes. Can open your eyes. <laughs> your eyes have to be more open than well, mine. Uh, yeah. The one that uh, right now I want to share is when he's fixing his cleats. Lowell is adjusting his cleats. I'm so sensitive. Like my cleats are everything. And I'm sitting there watching and I'm like, you, you can't do that the way you're doing it. You know, like you can't just loosen up the bolts and then just move things around and put them back. And so he's holding, he's like, but no, I've got it held here. And I'm watching. I'm like, no, it just shifted. There was a point there. I was kind of like, wow, there's more to being a pilot than just riding the bike. You know? So he's like, give me that shoe. Give me your shoe. You know? <laughs> you know what you should do? Not when you're on the bike, obviously, but when you're in like the prep phase, you should wear our goggles that emulate Lowell's tunnel vision and see kind of what it's like for him just getting ready for a race. I need that. <laughs> He's described it and in even more in detail on this trip than ever. When I'm at your place in his comfort zone, like I don't know, Lowell, yeah, oh, exactly. Seem like I forget. Yeah, I'm so able. You guys, yeah. so do I. I didn't realize until we were on the amazing race in 2016 how bad his eyes had gotten. I thought, oh, he's had stable vision for the last 10 years. Like it's not that bad. And then when we were on the race and it was unfamiliar environments and we didn't have our routine, I'm like, whoa, what happened? Like I did not realize this at all. So it's tricky. He's, he's a tricky fella, this one. Definitely. But I, I love his persistence and his drive because, again, I didn't realize the beauty of this sport until I got to spend so much time with all of you this summer and then getting to see the intimacy of how you live your life and how you just push yourself beyond what you think the world thinks you're capable of. And so when I see you get on this bike with Ed, I'm like, oh, my God, I have my full vision and I would be scared in my mind. And then you're just like, yeah, let's do this. And it's given me this huge appreciation for all that you can do. And I don't even think about the things that you are limited to. Mm. You guys do have a very special relationship and you guys complement each other so well. And so I also feel like you guys, you're going to do something special. You can feel it. I don't know. I can feel it. This trip just backed up these feelings 
course we did this well, of course this went well, but there's also a lot of things that I failed on in that that was understanding uh, his vision. That's for sure. There's times in the race where I was kind of like, aren't you seeing this? <laughs> like, you know, like, aren't you, can you not? I was trying to think of like ways to describe it to the audience here. It's like, imagine you know, all the cyclists out there drafting somebody with a blindfold on and you're drafting. Okay. And so I can see, I can see the wheels right there, but my partner, the other engine, the other massive part of this whole thing cannot. And mm-hmm. so there's many times where we're out of sync. And so to me, I'm feeling like, but I, but I just watched you walk out of your hotel room to the car. I just watched you, you know, like, wait, like you can't see, you know, that we're only an inch off the wheel there. And you know, afterwards you find, yeah, no, I can't actually. I'm like, of course you can. Okay, so what can you see? And it's like starting from scratch again. I'm like, oh man, you know. But then so, there are some things like, even uh, that he doesn't realize that he doesn't see or, or sees differently, like some mm. colors too. Yeah, I'm wearing my white socks. Nope, those, I know, those I'm are like, fluorescent. Those are pretty yellow, quite <laughs> yellow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. that is an interesting piece of tandem cycling to be on the back, to be blind. Ed and I have never done a road race before. And Ed has, you've piloted and I've raced, but it's about us finding our groove. And, yeah. and again, I haven't raced lots in big packs, a lot of it on track, only on track. We, we have single bike and in time trial and almost all of our practice is just us alone. So not riding with others and being in that close contact. And that means me having to regulate my power. And I'm always listening in the pedals, but every time Ed started to pedal, I would give a lot, but it was too much. And so it's like this, like thruster, thrusting ourselves into the bike ahead of us when it's like, no, slow, like, hold up, man, chill. I'm breaking, you know, I'm like, you just use all that energy and I'm on the brakes. I'm like, oh, low, low, chill, 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 chill. I always picture like a rocket ship with all these different engines. You know what I mean? I have an engine that I, you know, I'm, I'm doing hundred Watts. But there's someone behind me doing 500. Wow. You know what I mean? That's, it happens. And there was many times where that happens where he's on the gas and there's no need to be on the he's gas. He's always on the gas. But that's the whole mm-hmm. thing about time right. together and, mm-hmm. and doing these bunch races. Like before the race, Lowell's saying like, bunch racing is my favorite. This is the best part. I'm so excited. Like I'm more excited about this than anything we'll ever do in bunch racing. And I'm like, <laughs> you and me both, man. This is like in those moments, like that excitement, he feels my foot just touch the pedal. And it's like, that is something that is wonderful. And I wouldn't want it any other way. Like you'd want someone who's keen and wants to give it his all. It's also it's a weakness. How to communicate that. You know, all this stuff has to be honed. It's going to be crafted. Yeah. And we need to get into these experiences if we're ever going to get inside that top ten. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we've been married for almost 14 years and we've had those communication issues on the bike as well for kilometer long stretches on charity rides when we've done tandem. And he's like working his butt off and he's noticing that we're not moving much. He's like, are you breaking? I'm like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've been like busting my butt off back here. I'm like, oh, so sorry. I thought we were going a little too speedy. <laughs> <laughs> we had a similar conversation, but that has to happen with us, right? There's times where instead of letting up, we both can't let up in unison that quickly. So mm, yeah. we, I touch the brakes. And so that doesn't mean let off. That's the thing about his senses. He's in such a hard position, extremely, extremely hard position. It's on feel, okay? Was that a break that I need to let up? Or was that just a top because we got too close to another bike? And the same thing with the feel on my pedals. Is that a sprint? Is that a real burst? Oh, we're coming up to a corner. Oh, yep, there he is forcing my legs backwards. So are you hoping that eventually all the communication will be basically how you're working your feet and he'll feel it? I'm sure the guys that have been doing this a long time are as close to that as possible. I think there's still some verbal communication, but yeah. you get so in sync. We did, I don't know how many laps of that track, but 
every lap we got better by the end of the trip we're doing the same thing lean to the left lean to the right you know and then come on to the gas on the corner it just takes time and a lot of time i think the moral of the story is they need more time to train together so we need to move to lethbridge temporarily and so they can train all the time yes please I have a question. What did you both learn from this experience in regard to like your communication and racing? Like what's both your takeaway? Good question. I think this is a learning to learn. What is the weakness? What is the thing that we need to work on? And that's kind of what we've learned. Before, we didn't know we needed to learn this. We were actually quite in sync in TTs, right? It's that the diesel and just go. But in road racing, it's finding the nuance of how to know how far away somebody is and, and what cues you're going to need to do that. So I think that's going to come. We're going to need to find some other bike races that are going to let a tandem jump in and try to make sure we're getting around some other bikes. Getting more time together in a bunch to learn the subtleties of this because I don't know how much we can do without actually doing it. I would say that I had an idea of what our style would be. And I think that we were exposed in some areas, but we adapt well. And as far as taking on a challenge and the way we communicate and come up with a plan and the tactic, like that was all, that was wonderful. I can't wait to do that again. Like give us a challenge and then Lola and I can figure this out. But coming back, my brain is on fire with like, oh yeah, no, no, gotta work on this. Are either of you keeping a journal so you can go back to these things and remember what you want to work on? I'm writing up a race report. I'm about half done. So okay. that's one thing. Yeah, at the end of the race, we had a lot of emotion. We wanted a top result and, and we did well, but we did not get what we had wanted to get. So having that emotion, processing that emotion, and then talking with the coaches afterwards, talking with each other, we've done quite a bit of processing and we have more to do kind of post travel home and the chaos of that. But we have lots that we can learn to, to talk about and communicate and be ready for the next. And another big learning from this is that we can't be a one trick pony, like flat courses out and back. Yep. That's our jam. And we would do really well at that, but <laughs> there are very few of those in the world cup level world championships. That's not the course that we're going to be getting. The Alberta and Ontario TT is not, not what we're hitting. So I need to specifically get lighter and really make sure that those watts per kilogram are ready for us to do all of these starts and, and turnarounds and, and corners and accelerations. Because for the listeners to know you're your power is right on par with the top guys, but you feel like you have more weight on you, right? So going up all the hills was taxing because you had to carry more weight up every single hill. In this course, it was 8K, but it's a 4K loop that we kind of out and back on. And so the entire time we're either going up or downhill. So yeah, it was a tough course. <laughs> okay. I want to tackle two questions that I know I know the answers to, but Lowell often gets in regards to tandem cycling. One is, are your pedals connected? Yes, they are. You guys pedal in unison. The other question is people ask if you have a disability, Ed, and I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> My strength and weakness, I'm very emotional. One of the strengths that come from this team is Lowell can put up with me. Okay, and has been able to put up with me, and not many people can. It's a roller coaster. Yeah, Lola is a very calming presence, and he seems to be able to read whether you need him to just be quiet and kind of hang back or communicate. In defense of the people that ask if Ed has a disability, it's because they're in a para category, and that's yeah. something that I think people don't understand, which is the reason why the tandem cycling is so so competitive, because everybody is able bodied. It's the visually impaired on the back, but everybody's bodies are totally able. And a lot of the pilots are pro racers, former Olympians, things like that. So there's so much power and they contribute to it. So I think that's something that some people don't understand and why they legitimately ask the question. That was honestly a good question. Yeah. And we don't <laughs> understand that either. That's one thing where this was great to see all the best guys in the world 
they are uh, the Adonis's. <laughs> you know, like we're walking around, we're like, of course. Oh, and then you're looking, then you do your research. You're like, oh, of course wow, you're on the Tour de France. Yeah. <laughs> you know? One of the things I heard you say after the race is just what you were thinking about the other pilots and the other people around. What was your feeling about the pilots and being there amongst these other good dudes? Well, we just talked about like these guys all being something by themselves. Every single one of them is a, a decorated rider in their own right. And they've done something able-bodied to get them to this level. But then now, they all have to be pretty good people. You just feel it. I've been to races where there's a lot of energy and a lot of testosterone, a lot of aggression. And as soon as we rolled out, you know, there's nods, good mornings. You know, people are actually interested in you, you know, like, and I was interested in them. And so on top of being like uber competitive and obviously best of the best, I think it takes a special person to be on the front of a tandem. For sure it does. Everyone was looking after each other. That part I really liked. Mm-hmm. And speaking of looking after each other, realizing it takes a team, not just Ed and I, but it takes a team from home. And Amanda, you are a huge part of Ed's team, of our team. What was it like for you to send Ed off to this crazy international para world championships and cheer from home? Because I have Julie. How many hours did we spend chatting? <laughs> like we are attached to him. I don't know what's worse is like watching it in person at the track with Julie or you guys being away. And then we like eagerly wait at our phones for the live timing and the worst is the time change. So it's like you guys would race when it's like 5 a.m. here, 3 a.m. in Alberta. Yeah. And it's like whatever time in 10 a.m. in Portugal. So it's like the time change too. I won't get to talk to him for the race. Like he, this is it. Like good night. You know what I mean? So I know you're both good hands and you're safe. And I actually prefer you guys racing as a pair than individually. Like I love that you guys are together and like keep each other safe if anything happened. And I love that you're in it together. And I love that I have Julie, but the time change can be quite frustrating. Next time, would you race somewhere where the time is a little closer to our time zones, please? Or bring it with you. Oh yeah, that's another option. Although, I don't know, I get I get more nervous than oh, I know. Does, as do you. <laughs> I, I sort of like this because I'm like, okay, like I let them have their space, they're in their zone, doing their thing, and then when they're ready, they can approach us, and then it's like, okay. I think that's the cool thing about this matchup too. Let's say I was sharing a bike with Amanda and with her nerves and all that, like it wouldn't be a good match for this. Right? <laughs> Lowell and I get excited and there's like a, a switch goes on. His switching on or getting prepared or, you know, all the things, this process, the steps he goes through actually complements. He's, he's way more detailed and he's way more like, okay, we've got this, we've got that, like check, check, yeah. check, check, check. And it's almost like pictures like on a plane. Like, you know, as a co-captain, you're just double checking. Do we get this? Do we remember that? Are we check the tower pressure? I'm more of like, okay, we're going to clip in. We're going to go to the right. I want to be on the outside. I want to make sure I come in. We're going to come around this corner. I don't want to get boxed in here. Like I'm thinking more skills and like technical stuff of the racing where he's definitely more detailed on making sure we have the right shoe covers and hey, what kit you wearing tomorrow? So organized. And that's why you compliment each other so much. <laughs> I think all the people that I've raced with or like come in contact or done this with, you know, over the years. And they don't always match. I mean, someone's, you feel their anxiety or their, their nerves or whatever, and it's like negatively impacting you. I think we should ask Julie the same question. How I felt about sending him off on world championships. I was obviously very, 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 very proud. I had our kids here to distract me from the nerves. We were very, very immensely proud. Lowell tells me all the time that I have veto power. We can pull the plug at any point, but I'm like, let's go for Paris 2024. You guys are doing awesome. You're just getting started. <laughs> I was going to go into your individual histories first, but we've been talking about you guys on the tandem so much. Let's talk about how you guys got together. Lowell, you tell that. Yeah, the Ed and Lowell story. 
It's kind of like the Bachelor Tandem Edition. It was. Yeah. So tandem cycling is this interesting piece of trying to achieve a dream, but needing other people to help me achieve my dream. I started locally with an amazing pilot in triathlon, and that was Warren Molnar, and kind of got me to a certain level. And then I needed a pilot for cycling, and I got Mark McDonald from Calgary. And then we moved on and needed somebody else, and that was Andrew Davidson. And so all of these steps to get me to the next level. After 2019, the Parapanam Games, it was this sense that Andrew and I had gotten to the top level that we could get together, and it was time to unlock the next chapter. So I was like, who is that next chapter? And I had seen Ed Veal at Nationals and Track. He had been there with another stoker. And so I thought, hey, who is this guy? Look him up, <laughs> see that he'd done tandem piloting in the past. And so, oh, interesting. So I sent him this random email on a summer's day saying, basically, hey, would you do this with me? Here's who I am. I'm pretty serious about this. And then hearing this message, like, hey, it's cool, but I need to check you out first. So felt a bit vulnerable. He's reaching out to coach and making sure I'm serious about this. You were playing the field as well. You had another pilot that you were yeah. test, yeah. test driving. For <laughs> those letters. I keep yeah. going. I like this story. But, but yeah. Ed, remember, he's the bachelor. He's the one that's supposed to have yeah, multiple people. <laughs> the fall of 2019 became about who can I reach these A standards, right? We needed certain speeds in order to, to get to track world championships. That was the goal at that time. So I tried not successfully with another amazing pilot but he and I weren't able to unlock that A standard. And so Ed was nice and confident. He's he, right, we're going to do this. I love that confidence. And we went to the track and we hired a commissaire and we did it. And we met the A standard, which was amazing. This is kind of my side. And maybe I'll flip that over to Ed and your experience up to that point and beyond in your side of the story. I've been doing this a long time and my time with the Team Pursuit squad, uh, you know, I raced on the national team with Men's Team Pursuit and it, it came to an end and and I wasn't ready to retire. And even though some people wanted me to retire, I was you know, still very hungry and I wanted to compete. And I really was lost. You know, I was kind of like, now what do I do? I kind of put it out there saying, I would like to pilot again. It's very purposeful and still high performance. But I let them all know that because I'm still wired this way, it had to be the right stoker. The cool thing about putting it out to the universe, saying like, you know, I'd like to do that. I wouldn't have met Lowell or he wouldn't even have known I was available or even interested in piloting if I hadn't have done that. But what was funny is he wrote this beautiful email and I wanted to make sure I was doing my due diligence to say like, okay, that's cool. I'm glad you're reaching out. I'm so happy for you going places, but you know, I need to see if you're the one. And so that probably was weird for him at first, but I pulled around. I want to make sure what was going on. But then when I started getting excited or serious and saying, yeah, this guy, this guy's got potential or, oh yeah, this, this is, this could actually be body shape, height, weight, you match Smile, up really. yeah, all this yeah. stuff. And then it's like, yeah, but I'm, I'm, t I'm talking to other people, you know, or I'm, 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 I'm thinking, you know, that's where the bachelor stuff came. And so he probably also got a real snapshot of me because like, I was like, fine, you can see anybody you want. It's all good. And I was, I was very confident right from the beginning. So it was like, yeah, try them all out. Go ahead. Try them all out. <laughs> and it was fun. That part was fun. We know. do need to tell them how Lowell gave you the final rose. Yeah. So what happened was I was in Las Vegas. We were doing a, a cool event down there, doing a 24-hour Zwift event. And I came back to the room and there was a little envelope with a rose. And it was, I you know, it was like, you're the one or whatever. Or, 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 I choose you or whatever they say in The Bachelor. It was, it was awesome. Beautiful. Yeah, we so. both were crying. Yeah. We're in the room. First of all, I thought the rose was for me. So I was like, oh, some handsome man said, Ed a rose. Yeah. 
it was beautiful. <laughs> we were both bawling and it was pretty special. It was really special. Oh wait, the sticker on the envelope said you're stoker. And I'll never forget the thoughtfulness. And this long stem rose, it was like, oh, come on. So if that wasn't a snapshot <laughs> into what was to come, like right there, that's like, okay, this this guy's, you know, this is cool. So that was a really cool moment. Yeah, that was just the beginning. And that was a moment to be celebrated as well. You're doing a cool event, 24 hours. You actually got a Guinness World Record for the farthest in a 24-hour period in a virtual setting. So that was a world record. So the rose, it was part of a celebration, but it was also, yeah, that this, this is the beginning of our journey together on the tandem. And I like gestures. I like the romance. Lucky us, am I right, Ed? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not jealous of the other people he was courting, but I mean, when he talks like that, Julie, do you get jealous? Like, <laughs> he's traveling the world with me. I know. <laughs> I had his babies, so that trumps all. <laughs> so speaking of your cycling journey, Ed, I know you had a late start to cycling. Can you, now shifting gears here, can you tell us a bit about your life before cycling and then when and how you got into cycling? I was a bit lost. I wanted to grow up quickly. I wanted a house and a white picket fence. I married my high school sweetheart. I went into my parents' family business. I just started working. I was working and working and working, just trying to get ahead. And things that at the time I wanted new cars and I wanted a pool and a hot tub and a big screen TV. And I just started collecting junk. I wasn't happy. And we decided to part ways, my wife at the time. And, you know, I'm 30 years old. I'm moving back with my parents. I had this opportunity to kind of reinvent myself. And that's when the bike showed up. And I wasn't searching for the bike. It was a neighbor that just was bugging me all the time saying, come mountain biking. And finally gave in to him. I said, all right, I'll check this out. I had no interest whatsoever. It was like he was dragging me there. And I just got to the forest and I was like, oh, this is, this is incredible. You know, I'm on his wife's mountain bike with a hockey helmet. And, you know, I'm, I'm just lifting these trails and floating through things. And all my troubles just go away. Probably went back the next day and then I went back the next day. You know, I had a punching bag at the time that I used to take out a lot of my frustrations on. And it, it didn't just change overnight, but I started taking out my frustrations on the bike. Fresh air, flowing with your thoughts, feeling good about, you know, where you're at. That's how cycling came into my life. It was never to be here today. I don't know how this happened, but it started off very just, just therapy in a tough time. Awesome. And Lowell, question. In a post-pandemic world, do you think we'll get back into public speaking? Yeah. I hope so. Yes. Okay, so then without giving away our entire keynote, can you tell us a bit about your story? Yeah, totally. Our public speaking, when we go and share our story, it's kind of this idea of where cycling came into my life and how it was important to me. And so kind of the Coles Notes version of that. So cycling came into my life when I was in a dark place. I was losing my vision with retinitis pigmentosa and falling into this darkness and this hopelessness that there's a future of like vision loss, a future of darkness and the sinking feeling of meaning and purpose. My career at the time of visual communications and visual arts was going away and losing my license. So all of these things that were happening and then fearing the future and kind of sunk into this anxiety and this depression. In that moment, I made a promise to myself and something inside of me led. I'd never really ridden bikes before. I was just to commute a little bit and like what kids do. Never been into fitness, a farm kid. You just work and that's kind of what you do. But something inside of me, and I think from you and your experience, Julie grew up cycling and fit and just kind of always active and doing sports with her family. I hadn't really been into sports. It wasn't a part of my life. And I had this spark inside and I moved back home with my parents after university and everything was kind of falling apart. I decided I, I'm not going to watch TV. I'm not going to do anything unless I'm sitting on this bike. So I went and bought a really cheap recumbent bicycle from Walmart and I sat on it, watched season of 24 through the winter through my depression and through my darkness of trying to figure out my life and what I'm going to do with this blind future and I lost a lot of weight 
and I started to feel good. And so in the spring, after a whole bunch of seasons of 24, I got outside and went for a bike ride and I went for a run and I just could go a long distance and I felt really good. And the, the better I felt, the quicker I got. And then I signed up for a triathlon and then that was the first thing that captured my heart and I found pair sport. So it's kind of this journey and it made me feel alive and it made me feel like I could achieve and, and then connecting with the pair of guides who could actually help me do this safely and compete at a really elite level was was pretty awesome so that's kind of the flow into to fitness for me it's helped me mentally physically emotionally and then it's now created a lot of meaning and purpose in my life cycling has been an amazing part of the family and part of my journey and i couldn't do it at this level without the sacrifice of julie and the kids and hopefully we're creating this culture in our family of, of sport and activity to know that how powerful it is for our mental health as well this is our Father's Day episode, and I have not said Happy Father's Day to you two yet. Ed, Lowell, Happy Father's Day. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you are both our amazing fathers. Yeah, Ed, can you tell us a bit about your son? He's the light of my life. He's my little miracle. Not little. He's, yeah, he's my big giant. miracle now. So yes, my guy's 17. He's taller than me now. He's got a full head of hair. I've always called him Mini-Me. We're clones as far as bodies. Uh, you know, he's got the same big flipping feet. Does he call you his Mini-Me now? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's coming. Yeah, <laughs> he hasn't yet. But yeah, very soon he's going to be looking down at my ball spot. We're really tight. We have a wonderful relationship. Is there anything in particular, any lessons you feel you've learned from being a dad or that you feel Evan has taught you? It never ends. He's very... It's like you know, depth. Yeah, he's very deep. He's a thinker. He he's, ponders. Yeah. He, he shares some of his stuff that just I'm floored when he opens up. Amanda, what do you see in Ed as a dad? I think what the most beautiful piece is, is coming into this relationship when Evan was in grade nine. So they've built this huge life together and I get to witness it. And so actually when I'm with you and your boys, I, I think about, oh my goodness, like at one time Evan was this little guy, you know, and... And when I see Ed with Evan now, I feel love, unconditional, true, deep love with words, actions, feelings, thoughts. Ed is happiest when he's with Evan and I don't blame him. It's the most beautiful relationship. I love watching Evan still learn from Ed and Ed still learn from Evan. Ah, that's awesome. We've had the pleasure of meeting him, but I look forward to getting to know him better in the future. Mm -hmm. We've had the pleasure of meeting your little people, and I've yeah. seen this guy in action, and I've, I've been very impressed uh, with Lowell as a dad. Yeah. Fraser and Stefan are full of personality and love for life, and I love being around them. But also seeing Lowell, all the games you play and how active you are with them. I want to know about Lowell being a dad. Well, yeah, I was just going to start off by asking Lowell, which kid is your favorite? Just kidding. <laughs> Jokes. <laughs> No, you're right. Lowell is a very, very intentional father and loves our boys to bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. So Lowell, repeating the same question I asked Ed, what do you feel you've learned from our boys or from being a dad? Yeah, it's deep. There's sometimes there's hard to put words to the love for our children. How to communicate love to another is really difficult. And I found that with the boys, knowing how to say it and learning how to love each individual, then seeing how I handle the times where I'm not the parent I want to be and, and trying to be a better dad and trying to find ways to learn and connect deal with the guilt of being away bike riding when you guys have to be at home and I mean there's lots of complexity so he brings home presents that's yeah, how he yeah. deals with that yeah. guilt <laughs> I, I buy chocolate and uh stuffies to ease the guilt but what have I learned I think that love is so much bigger than I thought it was going to be I didn't know what being a dad was going to be it just felt right it felt like something you and I would do together and it would be good and it is but it's so much bigger than that is seeing them find sport seeing them be happy seeing them explore 
having them teach me things, right? It's really cool. They know so much. It's really cool to have that relationship. They help you also like visually. I was thinking that this morning, we were walking them to school and the way our youngest, he just always watching as well. They both are. And they're watching to see if I'm going to step in a hole or not. And and they've learned ever since they were little kids, like when I can't see my shoes to bring my shoes to me or or really watching me. And I think that's going to serve them for life, right? This is like the roots of empathy. They're seeing somebody else in need and knowing when to do it. I think Ed and you have had to learn this, but the kids are learning this as the first language. I don't even think they know what they're learning, but that is really cool as well. So cool. I think one of the most beautiful moments I've experienced with your boys is them seeing you both be super athletic and driven in your team as a couple and a parent. But when we put that tin together last summer and they got to be on it, I think they had another appreciation for you, Lowell, and like your ability. I remember just being like, this is hard. <laughs> like both of them and them just being like, wow. Like I think it just puts another level of my dad has his vision and ability, but then he's so able in other areas. And I think by you showing them that you push past these so-called barriers that you know society might put on you, whatever, it just makes them want to push more as well and see you as that much of a stronger person and that much more of a beautiful father yeah yeah i've witnessed uh, them like what you said about the shoes we're doing stuff for you too like it is beautiful like skiing. that yeah. yeah that that was it when we went yeah. skiing and everyone wanted to be your guy and so there was like a real sense of pride yes. to you know, help you get down the hill like i could go down this trail or i could go faster but i'm guiding my dad i'm gonna look after my dad yeah it's beautiful seeing the dynamics of your relationship like they just see how you both work and even julie how you're giving to lowell in areas that he can't and how lowell is giving to you in areas that you can't they see that unique partnership that not every family has and it makes them i think appreciate the dynamics in different people's lives as well and maybe appreciate other people mm. more than the average child, I guess. They were so proud of Lowell and Ed that they asked me to text both of their teachers pictures, like some highlights from Portugal, so that they could give little presentations. And to get messages from them, they're able to communicate now and being over in Portugal and getting messages that they're writing or, or dictating and just their love, their care, their interest, their pride, it filled my heart. And so I think that this is a big sacrifice in some ways, right? It's a choice, but going across and, and competing for Canada and wearing that maple leaf and being so proud, but also realizing that all those times I'm away from my family, having them be on board and having them cheer and having them support this dream, I want to give it my all. So in those moments when I'm hurting and we're losing the pack and they're like another dig, another try, another like all out effort to try to catch the group because I don't want to be just, this isn't just for fun. This is legit and I want to do my family proud. So it makes me push harder, train harder. Well, you guys see, I told you the time would go by fast. Anything else you wanted to cover with your pilot here and his beautiful partner? I do want to take this chance. I mean, it's funny. We're talking about kind of this dad's day and it's interesting because at moments it feels like Ed and I are partners and other times it feels like he's got to be my dad, right? It's like, I don't know. That might feel weird. Now, before it was like a like this bachelor thing, but, but also the support and, and really thank you, Ed. I want to say this publicly. Thank you for being my eyes. Thank you for allowing me to follow this vision, this passion, this dream that we have. And I need you to guide me and keep me safe on the bike and off the bike. And I know it's an extra bit of struggle and effort that you have to put in, but I want you to know from the deepest part of my heart, how grateful, how thankful I am for you, for all of this care that you've given me. I'll speak. I'll give you a chance to wipe away the tears. I wanted the listeners to know too, how we actually all became so tight. So the first time that we all met in person, like Amanda and I met each other, was at the Track World Championships in Milton, Ontario, January 2020. And Amanda and I just 
immediately clicked and we kept communicating. And then one positive thing of COVID is that provided a few opportunities for you guys to come and bubble with us here in Alberta. So Ed and Amanda spent over a month, two months maybe total, twice in the summer and then once over Christmas. And you guys were our basement dwellers and we bubbled together and we did everything together. And it was all just, you're part of the family and the boys consider you part of the family. Mm-hmm. And the boys are very proud that they're also going to be taller than Amanda soon because Amanda is four foot eleven, and uh, <laughs> so they do back to back shots every time we're together. You guys are part of the family, and mm-hmm. we all appreciate you both so much. Just to follow up on what Lowell said, while we were away, there was one night where we were out on the balcony. It was an opportunity for me to explain how wonderful this whole thing has turned into, and it's way bigger than you know, I imagined. It's been beautiful. Sometimes I feel like we're brothers. Being your eyes, whether we're walking through the airport or cobblestones or, you know, whatever. I really like it. That just fills me with joy and gratitude because even though Lowell is very capable, when he goes off on these projects and I'm not with him, I always worry a little bit. Probably sick of me saying it, but I call him lots of things. But fearless, that's the one I, you know, I mention him all the time. You are so fearless. because <laughs> So you know, brave. Yeah, so brave. Like, it takes a lot of courage just to do this. What we're To go doing. his speed with a blindfold on, and then your speed added to his speed with a blindfold on. <laughs> I'm not only grateful for your role on the bike, though, Ed. I'm also really grateful for kind of that protective spirit that you have. There's trade-offs, by the way. I don't know if you have a descriptive name for Lowell or what, you know, whether uh, I'm trying to think of the hot daddy. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, that's I mean, what we call them around here. Yeah. I like when hot daddy uh, <laughs> is so organized, you know, when he's on the ball on everything, so like nothing gets missed. I like that. And I, I need that. That's a whole other thing that complements this. He's always thinking ahead, really planning things out, double checking. Like, you know, I on this last project, I offer it up. I showed up with no nutrition. You know what I mean? Like, that's something. You know, like, I'm, I'm all in on one thing, and then I, I don't have a gel in Lowell's packed enough for the two of us. Uh-huh. And he's, you know, he's got the backup to the backup. The only thing Lowell didn't have two of on this trip was the shoes I was supposed to bring him that I forgot to bring. Oh, I okay? didn't know that. Yeah. So, like, yeah, <laughs> these are things. Yeah. Okay. So, but I mean, he's got two and three of everything. Okay. And that's the thing. So this is, you know, whatever you want to call that. Very detail oriented. Yeah. Kind of a funny story of the sometimes perfectionist quality in him is since the kids were babies, I've been doing during every Olympics and Paralympics. First I did baby Olympics and then toddler Olympics and then kid Olympics, like as they grew up and Paralympics, I did that with them too. And I was doing the baby Olympics. Like, so they were like just babies. And I asked Lowell if he could get the Olympic rings on our big screen TV in the living room so that it looked like an Olympic flag because the other babies that were coming were representing different countries because I asked their parents to dress them up. And anyways, whatever, this is just the kind of mom that I was. Anyways, he put it on there and the aspect ratio, whatever, wasn't exactly what he wanted. It didn't fill the whole screen. I was like doing something else. Like an hour later, he's still doing that. I'm like, lol, this is a party for six month olds. <laughs> You're right. He's so, lol, oh my, you have so many insane skills. I'm amazed. It's yeah, we crazy. wouldn't have that bike though. Like there would be no filament bike, but you know, if it was left up to me, we'd be riding the same old bike. That's very much like this relationship here. Mm. Amanda fills all those same gaps here at home. It goes both ways. This pilot thing is only in a few aspects. Probably the ratio is probably 60, 40 Lowell's looking after me, believe it or not, on all the, all of it. If you put it all together, he's actually looking more after me more than I'm looking after him. <laughs> when it comes to the driving force behind this, it's definitely Lowell. The only reason we're here is Lowell. Lowell chased me 
you know, around, then courted some other people on the way. But then he, he's, this is his path, okay? And I'm just a nice part of it. I, and I love being a part of it. This right here, ladies and gentlemen, is a world-class friendship. Mm, boom. <laughs> Gold medal level. Gold and medal. I was going to say, too, Ed gets free therapy. Oh, yeah. No, no, most, no. Like, <laughs> what an amazing person. Lul, you are such an incredible world-class athlete. And then, like, Ed's fire inside, you just know how to complement that. So it's like, you are so calculated with your words, you're poised. When, when we were away, I saw something online that said, like, intelligence is knowing what to say. Wisdom is knowing when to say it. Okay. <laughs> and that's one thing Lowell is the best at. I remember one moment you asked me after a driving incident, having to give up control to somebody else. There's a moment of, were you not worried? Or you just don't care. Yeah. Do you remember your answer? Both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was so like, I don't know. How do you be so free or how do you just let go? <laughs> And I do agree with you, Amanda, world-class friendship. So we want to honor that and thank you, Ed, but also Amanda for the support, the friendship for Julie. I couldn't do this journey without Julie and to know that you two together are supporting each other as we're off also means a lot to us. Thank you for the care, the love you send, the support you send when we're away. We know there's a burden to supporting us on our dream and vision and you, you two do it amazingly. So thank you. We do. Not only is this a really wonderful way the universe has brought Lola and I together, the universe has brought me and Amanda together, and then the universe brought you guys together. Awesome. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Pretty exciting. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming and chatting, and we'll do this again someday. Uh, probably we should update the listeners. Oh, I course, think we've been yeah. when talking about where we're at and when things are at with the summer. And due to us not being able to go to the Belgium race and get a qualifier, it looks like our Paralympic push this year is not going to be successful. And so we're going to learn a lot of our lessons and keep going to World Cups. Looks like there's going to be nationals and an Italian World Cup this season. And then Commonwealth Games next season, the Pair Pan Am Games in Chile in 2023, an amazing Glasgow World Championships in 2023 as well. And then the Paris Paralympic Games in 2024. So that's kind of our push forward to keep this tandem rolling. It's exciting. Really looking forward to what's the Commonwealth. We're just scratching the surface. So I, I came home so hungry. We're doing enough together to be competitive. You know, wow, like we have enough awesome. power combined to, to rock with anybody in the world. Yeah, for sure. And it's not just power and fitness. Like We have big gains that we can make just with experience, yeah. race experience, time together on the bike, mm -hmm. chemistry. I'm honored to share the bike with you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It's been a You're real welcome. pleasure. And then to include this one oh, too. Have Amanda, absolutely. Part of the family, part of the team. <laughs> You two together have been starting another project. I want to end on, can you tell us a little bit about the Real Hero Project? Wow, look at you guys. I've been dreaming about this little character for a while. It's evolved. It's changing in many ways, but it's now going to take shape in the form of a beautiful lioness. We've got a mascot that's about to show up. We've written two children's books together now. And so the idea of this character that wants to do good in the community, bring some cheer to people in need. Amanda and I have been working on that and we called it the Real Hero Project. And it's quite a work in progress because we're new to a lot of this stuff. So to like get started charity, that kind of stuff, we had to do some research and talk to several different people. You can't just start a charity or foundation. So we're in the works of starting a charity that'll help people in need. We're looking at children, looking at mental health. The girl that we actually based the series off of was in an accident and lost one her right leg and her left arm, I believe it was. So she inspired us. That's where we got the name of the character from. She's been a big part of this process. We FaceTimed with her, read her the books. It's really just giving back to those that need extra support, need extra love through this project. Awesome. You guys are amazing. Absolutely. Uh -huh. Make sure you follow along at Real 
deal veal and also your coach so anybody looking for an a amazing coach. coach a really really good coach check out ed veal's coaching as well realdealracing.ca great awesome. coach great man great dad let's keep this passion rolling okay thanks guys love you guys bye, love you. Love you. bye. 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 <laughs> Love me some Ed and Amanda. Yeah. Ed Veal, tandem pilot. The real deal. The real deal Veal. We didn't really cover in the episode why he has that name, but he was called the real deal growing up, rhyming with Veal. So the real deal Ed Veal. And he's very well known across Canada in the cycling world. And it's been quite an honor to get to know him and to do this journey together. That was that was fun to be able to have yeah, that a conversation really and hope you all understand a bit more into what this tandem bike life is like between these stoker and captain and it's kind of between two families really yeah. nice for you guys that your partners don't hate each other right eh? yeah it's <laughs> it's like intermingling the the family so um, it's it is really great that you guys have found this kind of connection in the family and and really speaking of this on father's day and dad's day even our kids are connected to them they're a special part of our family and that uh, we feel this connection to ed's son as well that we're all this kind of big family and we're able to support each other and, and love each other and go through the ups and the downs of this journey. Yeah. Now let's talk about my dad. My dad is a regular part of our everyday lives and has always been a behind the scenes kind of guy with a servant's heart. He is so generous. He cares so deeply and loves and worries with abundance. I love that our kids get to grow up so close to Papa. Yeah. I'm very honored to call him dad as well. And the special relationship, the bond that we have and that he has with our kids. And he's an incredible dad and how he raised all of you to experience life and to have sports. He exposed us to all sorts of sports when we were little. He was always wanting to play tennis or throw around a baseball or shoot a basketball. And now, I mean, I'm not mm -hmm. awesome at all of these sports, but I'm comfortable doing them. Like I can, sure, I can throw a baseball, you know, and I didn't realize until kind of university age that not everybody is comfortable or has you know some level of confidence with all these things so i'm very grateful to my yeah. dad and for my dad i owe so much to him through my life dad has taught me so many things about being a man about being a dad about being kind about being honest about being authentic about working really hard mm. right about giving so dad has taught me so many lessons. And I think a lot of that, the calm energy, right? We talked about that in the episode today and that not having many things kind of phase and being cool under pressure. I think a lot of that comes from dad. I see him deal with stress and struggles and a lot of really big things growing up that helped me in some pretty dire moments of some farm accidents and some different difficult times. And his ability to just do the next thing and to get through that has been really powerful. And he is the biggest joker. Yeah. His sense of humor is Absolutely. out of this world. To the community, we just know is that dad is a, that's a funny guy. <laughs> and and, and his puns and his dad jokes and even dad jokes and puns were called BTs yes. at some time. It's like, <laughs> Brian oh, there's, a B, there's a BT, right? A Brian Taylor. So <laughs> dad is incredibly humorous and creative. He's a giving man, a caring man. He has a huge heart. I think that's something I've, I've been able to see and, and grab and... Yeah. So thank you, Dad. All the stuff that you've done, all the love that you've given me. And really another thing, Dad, is his acts of service. He's always looking and watching and he's there to be helpful and support. So I know that he loves me through many ways, but one of those is definitely through the acts of service. Your dad's eyes sparkle. And I think 
all of his good traits you have inherited as well. And I have told your parents before, maybe not enough, but I am so grateful to both of them for raising, I'm going to start crying, don't do it. I'm grateful to both of them for raising such an outstanding man, father and husband, friend. You are the full package, Lola, and I am so grateful for you and the kids are as well. Thank you for being you and we are happy to be on this journey with you. You don't have to worry about me pulling the plug anytime soon. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. It's great to be a dad to these wonderful boys. Today's a day for positive male role. That is a tongue twister. Today is a day for positive male role models. Lowell, say that three times fast. Go. Or even one time. Try it. Say positive male role model. Positive male role models. Oh, geez. Okay. Who's the speech pathologist around here anyway? Yeah, a great day to honor all those people in life who you consider to have that positive male relationship with. Thanks, guys, for listening. Hope that answered any questions you may have about Lowell. For those of you listening on Apple Podcasts, thanks for subscribing, rating, and reviewing. That's apparently how others can find us and the incredible humans we get to chat with. What are you going to say? How are you saying goodbye? Thanks for listening. Bye. Happy Father's Day. 